Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 18. Abraham has a sense when he sees these three visitors, they just kind of appear. It doesn't say they rode in. It doesn't say they walked up. He just, and maybe he was napping, maybe he wasn't, but he just lifted his eyes and there they were, three of them. Some scholars have said maybe they represent the Trinity, but I think it's clear from other scriptures that it's the Lord and two angels. We'll see that in Genesis 19. And so um, here they appear. There's three of them, and Abraham is running around. Uh, There's a sense of urgency. He runs up to them. He bows down to the earth, and he bows before, um, in this case, we're going to see the Lord of the universe. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels unaware. Hebrews 13, 2. Do you know that most scholars of the Bible believe that Hebrews 13, 2 was primarily fulfilled in Genesis 18, what we're reading right now. And the, the idea is that the one that entertained angels unaware, or at least unaware for a time, was none other than Abraham. And so you and I should be hospitable too. Hospitality is where we get the idea of a hospital. Hospitality can mean to open up your home, but more than that, it means to open up your heart. Would you consider yourself a hospitable person? Do you let people into your life to take a look at your Savior and your Lord? Hospitality is not just about hosting a barbecue. It can be that. And in fact, Hebrews 13.2 says, do not neglect to entertain strangers. I barely entertain people I like. (laughs) Let alone... Strangers? What do you mean? It's a dangerous world, my mother would tell me. She tells me all the time. Be careful, Michael. Be careful in your daily, weekly activities. This is my mother, Italian mother. But it's how I know she loves me. She's always, how many of you parents? Be careful has become your main two words now to your children. Just a few of you? Oh, okay. Anyway. And so... Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Uh, In fact, notice verse 3, Genesis 18. He said, my Lord, this is Adonai. It means sovereign controller. Your Lord, Adon in the Hebrew picture language, means the first judge, the one who is strong, sovereign, master of your life. In other words, you run everything by him first. If you're going to call someone Lord, you're going to say, you're my Lord, then you run everything by him first. That's the essence of Lord. The word Lord means what? Master. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And Jesus even said that if you're going to be my friends, then do what I say in John chapter 15. And Abraham was known as a friend of God. Some have entertained angels unaware. And 
He said, my Lord, Adonai, sovereign controller, if now I have found favor in your sight, notice the words of Abraham, please do not pass your servant by. You are my Lord, look at verse three, I am your servant. I don't know if Abraham really knows who this is yet, but I think he senses that this is a special visitor or visitors. I think he senses that this is a divine appointment. In fact, maybe this is what he's been praying about. And now when it happens and he sees these three visitors, he says, oh Lord, do not pass me by. You know, when Jesus was walking on the sea in the later story we're gonna see in Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, it says he intended to pass them by. One of these interesting scriptures, he was walking on the water. It's like the idea there is that he wanted them to call out in faith to the Lord. And I hope it's in your heart to say, Lord, don't pass me by. I don't want one opportunity to get to know you better, better pass me by. I, I don't want one opportunity to to grow in my relationship with you to pass me by. Oh, Lord, please, look at the end of verse three, don't pass your servant by. Here I am, Lord, Isaiah says, what? Send me. I hope that's in your prayer. I hope that's what you believe. Abraham opened the door of his tent and the door of his heart to the Lord. If you want your faith to be stretched, and that's a lot what this journey with Abraham and Sarah is about, then you've got to open your heart regularly to the things of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by, can I hear it? The word of God. So you're here tonight. You had many options, many other things that you could have done tonight, but you know that your faith is built by what? The word of God. The more of the word you get into you, the more your faith grows. And that's the beauty of what it means to walk with the Lord. And so Abraham said, don't pass me by, Lord. I want to know you. In fact, Abraham in three places in the Bible, write it down, James 2.23, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, in Isaiah 41.8, he is called the friend of God. Why is Abraham called God's friend? What does the term friend mean to you? Do you have close friends? Do you have someone who knows you well enough where your heart is opened up to them? Do you have someone that you could go to? You may say, I don't feel like I have a friend in the world. Oh, but what a friend you have in Jesus. There's no other friend like him. There's no other friend that says, call me with all of your problems. I want to hear them 24-7. I have some good friends, but I know if I did that too much with those friends, they might not want me to call as often. I have some great friends in my life, but there's no other friend that we have like Jesus. There's a friend that sticks closer to, to us than a brother. That's Proverbs 18, 24. There's an old song, you might remember it, some of you, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Remember that song? There's nothing that compares 
to knowing him. What made Abraham a friend of God? I think that he spent time with God. How can you call somebody your friend if you don't spend any time with them? A lot of us have what we might call surface friendships. I think a lot of guys are famous for this. We have surface friendships. I heard the story, a comedian is telling the story of a guy who tells his wife he wants to play golf with a friend of his, and the wife is aware that his friend and the, the spouse are having some marital problems. So she says, okay, okay honey, go ahead and, and go golfing with Joe because that'll be wonderful if you spend some time with him. I know that they're going through some tough times. And so he goes out, plays golf for four or five hours, comes home, and the wife says, well, how is Joe and so-and-so doing? And, and the husband goes, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You just spent four to five hours with him. What did you talk about? Golf. The extent of our conversation in golf is pretty much this. Nice ball. <laughs> or if you're playing golf with our group, it's oh, oh. And then, then you pray that there's no crashing noises. <laughs> uh, we had a funny moment on the golf course. I always throw Pastor John under the bus, but since he's not here, I'll tell you. We're, we're in a tournament, and we were on the tee box, and there were houses off to our right, and Pastor John was on the tee, and Pastor John's a pretty consistent golfer. But, so he's on the tee, and he, and he shanked a shot, and it hit a wrought iron fence by this house, and it went, and it, the ball came right back to Pastor John's feet. And it was, it was so awesome because right behind the wrought iron fence was a sliding glass window, and the Lord had mercy on Pastor John because it would have cost a couple hundred dollars. The feet came right back, the ball came right back to the feet of Pastor John. And then he used another line that is famous in our golf game, and it's called Mulligan. <laughs> so anyway, you get to do do-overs in golf and even in life. Abraham was called a friend of God. Turn to Isaiah 41 for a second. So pass up the Psalms and Proverbs. Isaiah 41, this is the one that uh, regarding his friendship with God is expounded upon Isaiah 41. Look at verse 8. Isaiah 41, 8 says these words. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, Isaiah 41, 8, descendant of Abraham, what's your Bible say? My friend. Is it possible for us to claim friendship with God. I think theologically some of us wrestle a little bit with this. Is this just too loose of a term? Is this too, uh, what does this really mean? He's a friend of God. You whom I have taken, Isaiah 41, 9, from the ends of the earth called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, 41, 10, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who, anger, who are angered at you will be ashamed or shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. Go to John 15 for a second. John 15, Jesus is giving the upper room discourse, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
He's getting ready to die on the cross the next day, trying to teach a lot of things to the apostles, open their ears to what their lives are to be about. John 15, look at verse 11. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, John 15, 12, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his what? For his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves or servants, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I commend you, that you love one another. Friends know friends well enough to know what they're up to. Go back to John or back to Genesis. We should not be blind to God's purposes and plans. Obedience should define our lives. When you have a good friend, a good friend doesn't expect you to be perfect. Abraham was not perfect, but he was consistent. The Bible tells us above all, fervently love one another for love, what does it do? It covers what? A multitude of sins. Do you have a best friend? What makes that friend a best friend? Best buddy. It's that that person's been there for you. It's that that person knows you and loves you and has loved you consistently over the years despite what they know about you. Because if you let someone into your life enough to call a good friend, then they know you. They know your faults and your weaknesses and still what? Still love you. Now, don't flip it around. There's no faults and weaknesses in God. We know that. But Abraham knew God well enough to where God's testimony of Abraham was, Abraham is my friend. He knows me. He follows me. He obeys me. He's got an idea of what I'm up to in the world. This is the stuff of relationship. When I was doing my aunt's service, and I've done this many times um, at memorial services and funerals, I shared Psalm 23, and Psalm 23 opens, the Lord is my shepherd. And I tell people over and over again, and I've said it to you before, you can claim the rest of the promises in that psalm if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd sheep imagery is all over the Bible and a shepherd does what? He leads and cares for the sheep and the sheep are supposed to what? Follow him. And we know sheep are prone to wander. In fact, one of the things that a shepherd has is he has a rod and he uses the rod to part the fleece of the sheep to look for insects and that kind of thing, and they pass under the rod. But sometimes he uses the rod for correction, and if a group of sheep are wandering off, 
he's so well trained with the rod and it's almost like a guy who's good with a boomerang. He could throw that rod and it'll hit a rock right next to a sheep's head and turn the whole group of them around to come back to him. My grandmother used to do this with anything that was within the vicinity when I was fighting with my sister. Here's how it usually went. We'd be watching television and I'd be poking at my say, leave me, don't touch me. And my grandmother would take a shoe, sometimes the TV god, TV guide, and we'd get paper cuts on the side of our head. And then she'd take a shoe and boom. I told you to stop. And the shoe would just magically come back to grandma and she'd go and put it right back in her holster. It was just amazing. Stop it up. She had special Italian grandma powers ordered on miraculous. When you know God, he will even sometimes use the rod. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What? Yeah, because if you're getting off track, you have a friend that's getting off track, what does a good friend do for another friend? You just let him go? No. No, you reach out in truth and in love, knowing you too could make the same mistake. Abraham was a friend of God. Are you? Are you growing in your relationship with him to where, man, that's the most important thing in your life is to know him that well. Friends help each other. Friends love each other. Friends are not perfect, but they're trustworthy. And so Abraham runs out and he starts scurrying around. Look at Genesis 18. We're only going to do half the chapter. Please, he says, let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Don't pass me by. So they stop. He says, rest yourselves under the tree, the trees of Mamre here, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. Genesis 18, verse 5 after that, you may go on, since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried, and look at these uh, descriptions, in, into the tent to Sarah, and he said, quickly. <laughs> Can you imagine this? He's getting a sense of who this is. Hurry up. And he seems to be pretty good at delegation as well, which he says, quickly prepare three measures. That's Caesar, six gallons of fine flour needed and make bread cakes. Hurry! Abraham also ran, man. He's running everywhere. The dude's 99. I want to know what joint supplement he's taking. He also ran to the herd. He took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant. And he hurried to prepare. Hurry, everybody, hurry! He had the whole place stirred. Everybody was on high alert. Hurry up! You ever been there before? I'll go back to another Italian illustration. There's something ha that happens to Italians when they're cooking. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe it's not just an Italian phenomenon. But when I'm in the kitchen cooking a meal, there's part of me that wants help and part of me that wants everybody to keep at a distance. I'm timing things. I'm stirring this and over there. And then when it's all done... I want everybody to come the moment I call them. The food's ready. And I wait about 10 seconds. Didn't y'all hear me? 
right? And I say, I want to cook. I love to cook. You love to cook? It doesn't sound like you love to cook. <laughs> Abraham's got him stirred up, man. Hurry up with the bread. Now, this is almost like the Martha and Mary thing in Luke 10, right? Mary's all serene, sitting at his feet, listening to his word. Martha's in the kitchen. That sister, I'm lazy. <laughs> Goes and rebukes the Lord. Tell my sister <laughs> to come and help me. Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Whew. But it's not just the ladies. Here's Abraham running around all crazy. Why do you think? Well, I think he wants to get back to this group. I think he knows that there's a message coming. I think he's expecting to hear something from God. And so everybody's running around trying to prepare the meal. He took curds, uh, verse 8. That's yo play in Greek or Hebrew. I'm just kidding. That's not. But Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And curds is actually the word for yogurt, though. Curds and milk. Verse 8, and the calf, which he had prepared, placed it before them as he was standing by them under the tree. What's your Bible say? As they ate. Wait a minute now. If this is two angels and the Lord, do you mean to tell me that they ate the food? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That's what the Bible says. And I believe in the new Jerusalem we're going to eat. Praise God. And I'm talking about eating. And I believe since we have new resurrected bodies, it is quite possible that we will no longer have to worry about the bubble. <laughs> Everybody know what I'm talking about? This is, this is hope. Okay, I don't have a Bible verse I can turn you to. But, you know, Anyway, <laughs> there it is. They ate, and, and Abraham doesn't seem to be joining them. He's kind of just watching, like checking out what's going on here. Do you know that, uh, studying on this, this is the only place before Jesus becomes human in the New Testament, the only place that I know of in the Old Testament where God eats a meal with an individual. The only place. There's a couple other places where something's prepared, but it becomes like a burnt offering. But this is the only place where he actually physically eats. And if Abraham has a notion that this is the Lord, I wonder how closely he's watching. I wonder if he's worried. Like, I hope he likes it. Got one shot at this man. Is it good? <laughs> Taste it real quick. And so the Lord and the angels are eating the food. You know, after Jesus resurrected from the dead in Luke 24, um, he appeared to the guys on the road to Emmaus, and he said, have you got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and the Bible says he ate it in their presence, in his resurrection body. Yeah. And the Bible says that his resurrection body is a prototype of what we're going to get will be made like unto him. So that seems to imply that we will get to eat. Oh, I'm so happy about that. The angels are here. 
Angels are going to be involved in the second coming of Christ, Matthew 13, Matthew 24. Angels help execute God's judgment. They're reapers in the end times. In fact, Luke 16, 22, Jesus said, even angels are involved at a believer's death. The angels carried him away to Abraham's bosom. Hey folks, when you're doing radio, you know, it's a little hard to tell sometimes who's listening. And we would really like to know if the program's been a blessing to you and has impacted your life. And here's how you can get word to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org, livingtruthradio.org. And in the contact form, let us know that you're listening. Let us know who you are, what station you listen on, how the program's impacted your life, and even how we can pray for you. That'd be a great blessing to us. And if there's something that you want to put there that we can use to encourage other radio listeners to say, hey, Pastor Michael, this is how the program's impacted me, and you are welcome to use this to uh, encourage other radio listeners. So that'd be a blessing to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org in the contact form. Just let us know who you are. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Pray for us. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this broadcast. And we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Hey, listening family. Did you know that we have another show? It's called The Bible Answer Show. It's on Facebook Live. Right now we're doing it on Fridays at noon. That's noon Pacific time. And the format is this. We do an hour on Friday afternoons, and we are doing questions and answers live on Facebook. And you can ask your questions by going to Facebook, search The Bible Answer Show, make sure you like it and share it. And in the comment section, you can ask any question during that time or even in the week before or after, and we'll take your question and answer it live at The Bible Answer Show on Facebook. We have a panel of pastors, professors, and others who join us, and we take your question, whatever question you might have about the Bible, cults, the occult, world religions, a practical question about how to apply a Bible verse, question that came up in Bible study, whatever it may be, and we deal with those questions live on the air. By the way, past broadcasts of The Bible Answer Show are also available on our Facebook page at The Bible Answer Show. So check it out. We'd love for you to join us live or go back and check it out. You'll get some answers to your questions. Tell a friend about it, like it, and share it, and we'll catch up to you on The Bible Answer Show. Catch you on Friday. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.